Hi, you're listening to Mastering Money, where we explore the many aspects of good financial decision-making. I'm Doretta Thompson, Financial Literacy Leader for Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. We provide no-cost programs and free online resources that help Canadians own their finances and learn the language of money. This season, we're looking at the dark side of money. We'll be diving into hot-button topics like how romance scams target vulnerable people, how we can protect ourselves and deal with the aftermath of robbery with the sharp increase in street crimes, to the fraudulent property sales that jeopardize our homes. Today's episode is all about romance scams that prey on vulnerable people seeking love and connection online, how they manipulate their emotions and trust for financial gain. We'll talk about the tactics used by scammers, discuss the devastating impact on victims' emotions and finances, and provide expert advice on staying safe and avoiding these traps. My guest today is Jeff Horncastle, the Acting Client and Communications Outreach Officer at the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. Jeff, welcome to Mastering Money. Happy to be here. So before we dive into this very sad and difficult topic, I think, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and the kind of work that you do at the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre, and maybe a bit about the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre as well. Yeah, so as mentioned, I'm the uh, the current Client and Communications Outreach Officer. I've been working in uh, the Fraud Prevention and Intake Unit for uh, roughly six years. I've worked in our call center, spoke with victims on a, on a daily basis. I've been working in my current position for over two years now, where I coordinate uh, fraud prevention initiatives with the CFC, including outreach through either presentations through the media, social media, and our website, among many other initiatives. About the CAFC, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre is a national police service that gathers intelligence and fraud across Canada and assists police of jurisdiction or police, uh, local police with enforcement and prevention efforts. We help citizens and businesses report fraud, learn about different types of fraud, recognize the warning signs of fraud, protect themselves and uh, we also provide information to law enforcement and governments in Canada and around the world. Sounds like a very serious mandate and one, sadly, for which there's increasing need. Absolutely. So before we begin, can you tell us exactly what a romance fraud is? What is it we think of from you know the perspective of anti-fraud when you think about a romance fraud? Yeah, so a romance fraud start typically starts off on on a dating website or social media or even online games. We see that that's where the communication typically starts. After communication gets going, victims are asked to switch to a different method of communication, either an encrypted method of communication, so it's more difficult to define the information or whatever the case may be. So for example, if the communication started on a dating website, they may ask to go to you know email or, or WhatsApp or, or things like that. It's common for suspects to use pictures found on social media of real people. For example, business people, members of the military, they'll really craft their, their profiles to make everything more believable to the victim, right? They may even go to the, the extent of looking at the victim's profile and making their profile match what they think that person might like, which might include pet photos and hobbies, stuff like that. Scammers, they'll do anything. For the most part, it's it's organized crime that's behind these types of scams. 
that's basically how it works from the beginning. What they do is then they, they, they claim that they're overseas and they, they need money for whatever reason they come up with. Either their bank accounts are frozen. They claim that they have unexpected business expenses. They need travel fees to return home. So that's really what to watch out for. I think we'll get into a little bit more of the prevention a little later, but that's typically how the romance scam starts. And so a romance scam is one where they're actually creating a kind of romantic relationship with the targeted individual so that they're dating or they the person that's been targeted feels like they're in a genuine relationship with a real person. Exactly. And that's what's different about romance scams and other scams because it might take they, they might communicate for months before asking, going in and asking to borrow money from the victim. Uh, they want to make sure that that emotional connection is there before they can really go in and potentially steal a lot of money from the victim. How prevalent is this? It's uh, unfortunately romance scams have been very prevalent for many years. Based on dollar loss reported to the Canadian Anti Fraud Center, romance scams have been in the top two or three scams since 2021. In 2022, over 59 million was lost to romance scams. And in the first six months of 2023, nearly 27 million was lost. Now, comparing this to 2020, where for the full year, 27 million was lost, we saw that amount double when we're comparing 2020 to 2022, mostly because habits have changed after the pandemic where people were generally spending more time online, looking for companionship online more than they have in the past and among a a few other factors there, but that's the main one. And who is it that these scammers target? Is there sort of a particular or typical profile? From what we're seeing, anyone can be a target. Um, like I mentioned, you know, the, with the habits changing and the general public spending more time online, communicating through social media, doing online shopping. So this is very common across the board for all scams, where it's not a certain demographic that's, that's targeted more than the other. We're seeing that everyone can be a target. Yeah, it, it affects all demographics, unfortunately. Wow. And it's scary that the numbers seem to be going up by the reported amounts. And do you think that what we see reported, what you folks see reported, is probably just a fraction of what's happening? Do you think there's a sense of shame attached to it that people don't report it? 100%. Yeah, we estimate that only 5 to 10% of Canadians actually report to the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. So what we're, you know, the numbers we're giving is unfortunately just a, a drop in the bucket. It's a, a small sample of what's actually out there and what's happening. So let's dig a little bit deeper into how these scams work. You were saying that these folks have, these scammers seem to have their fingers everywhere where they can try to connect to an individual. Yeah. So like I mentioned, that they'll use social media, online game platforms, dating websites, any platform they think they can prey on victims, they'll use. And after that communication has started, that's where they, they begin manipulating the victim emotionally. And unfortunately, with all scams, they prey on vulnerabilities. So they, they're able to, to gauge what vulnerability the victim might have by communicating, and they, they really manipulate them, unfortunately. And what does that manipulation start to look like? So the manipulation is, you know, once they, they know they have that connection, that's where they, they come up and start requesting money. 
they do this for a living, unfortunately. It's organized crime, and um, that's where they, they come up with the reasons, the personal or family emergency. They might claim that they have no access to their existing funds because they're working abroad, their bank accounts are frozen, unexpected business expenses, legal expenses, or professional fees. They might be they might claim that they're investing in a new business. All this said, I mean, they always promise that they're going to pay the victim back. They claim that their bank account, for example, is frozen temporarily, and they, they assure the victim that they're going to pay them back. But of course, it doesn't happen. Yeah, they never do. They never do. We hear about money mules and romance scams. Can you tell us how a victim might become a money mule? Yeah, so first of all, I'll explain a little bit of what a money mule is. Money mule is an individual who is recruited by fraudsters to serve as a middle person to transfer proceeds of, of crime frauds. The mule may or may not be aware that they are a pawn in a larger network. When a mule moves money, it becomes difficult to identify the fraudsters from the victims because in a lot of cases, it goes through a lot of hands before the funds go through a lot of channels or hands before getting to the victim. The money is often transferred using bank wire transfers, email money transfers, money service businesses, and virtual currencies. Typically, mules get paid for their services, receiving a small percentage of the money transferred. So how does this work with the romance scam? In a lot of cases, going back to the example that I gave where the suspect might claim that their bank account is frozen, they don't have access to funds, they ask the victim to accept transfers for them and to transfer the funds to an alternate account, for example. So that's typically how it works with the the romance scam. Of course, the victim, not knowing that the funds are coming from other victims, is transferring the funds to the criminals. So when you go after someone like that, you kind of start at the end of the thread and work backwards? Is that kind of how it works? So I wouldn't be able to comment on the investigative part too much, but typically from what we're seeing, yeah, there, there are numerous channels and numerous steps before the funds actually get to the, the criminals. I'm just curious, can you give us, share with us some of the examples of stories that you've heard? That's a difficult one. I think, you know, what I, what I explained there is the typical story that we hear. That being said, there are more difficult ones that are to hear than others. Because being a victim to fraud affects everyone differently, it's a difficult kind of question to answer, right? Losing a couple of thousand might be more detrimental to a person than it might be to another victim. Being a victim to a scam can also have long-term effects on the victim, which are obviously hard to gauge for the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre because we, we take the report and sometimes that's where it ends, right? Unless there's follow-up from our senior support unit. But with that being said, we have received reports of victims taking their own lives from from being a victim to a scam, unfortunately. So, but going back to the beginning, generally the romance scam, that's how it starts. They they come up with a sad story, family emergency, and they, they need money. Unfortunately, in a lot of cases, victims lose all their life savings. It's so sad. You know, romance scams, I guess, have always been with us. I mean, you know, people have been taken in, but social media just adds this whole dimension of being able to do multiple scams simultaneously for some of these people. Exactly. Now, with the emergence of artificial intelligence, now there is the potential for for criminals to use this to their advantage like they have with any other technology, right? So they, they might... You know, the victim might think that they're they're communicating with a real person, but they might actually, in fact, be communicating with a an AI bot that has the ability to to make it look very or to seem very realistic. Oh, that's that's terrifying. It is, and and that's why it's so important to to focus on 
you know, what do I have to watch for so I am not a victim, right? If I'm, and of course, there's nothing wrong with going online and trying to meet somebody. You know, some a lot of people are lonely. They're they're looking for companionship online, but it's it's so important to to know what to watch for and what the red flags are, because the longer you communicate, the, the more at risk you're putting yourself, right? So. The quicker you're able to to see those red flags, uh, the quicker you'll you'll save yourself from being a victim. So tell me about some of these red flags. What should people be watching for? You want to watch for profiles that seem too perfect. In a lot of cases, these fraudsters will take pictures from a celebrity in a different country that we're not familiar with. Someone you haven't met in person professes their love for you very quickly. Any attempts to meet in person. So if the victim wants to meet in person and the meetings get there, the dates get canceled all the time. That's a huge red flag. A person who discourages you from talking about them to their friends and family. So very common where the criminals will say, hey, don't discuss a relationship with your, your daughter or any of your friends or any of your family. That's a very big red flag as well. Poorly written messages or messages addressed to the wrong name. This is important because a lot of fraudsters are, are communicating with multiple victims at once. So they might have a hiccup and call you a different name, right? So it's just another thing to watch out for. Another very big red flag. How to protect yourself. Don't give out your personal information, your name, your address, date of birth. Of course, you're putting yourself at risk for identity fraud. If you don't accept friend requests on social media from people you don't know, then you're, you're protecting yourself from, you know, you're not putting yourself at risk. Be careful who you share images with. Suspects will often use explicit pictures to extort victims into sending more money. So that's where it kind of turns into sextortion, uh, which is a whole other category at the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. Never send money to someone you haven't met. So under any circumstance, if you haven't met the person and they're, they're asking you for money, just, you know, if you go by the rule of not sending money to someone you haven't met, then and not just for romance scams, it's for, for all scams. Right. So if you haven't met them in person, don't don't send them money. I'm curious. You did say that you're seeing victims from across all demographics. Are women more likely to be targeted than men? It's actually quite even for for men and and women. So men are are looking for, you know, to date online or companionship just as much as women are based on the reports that we're getting at the the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. So one of the things you were talking about was the photographs, using photographs from celebrities from other cultures, etc. Is there a way that you would suggest people check those photos? Because I think Google actually has a tool that lets you do that. Yes, yes, 100%. So it's actually a tool that we suggest to, for example, if there's a family member calling in on behalf of let's say their mother who is a victim of a romance scam and the daughter's trying to convince the mother that they're in a romance scam and they're not believing anything that they say, right? And it, it's kind of, that that's really challenging because you don't want to affect the relationship you have with the family member either. So it's kind of, you know, there's a line you don't want to cross. But with that being said, there are tools, like you mentioned, to, to try to convince subtly. So you can take, actually do a reverse image search with let's say the suspect's profile picture that they're using. And by doing the reverse image search on Google or tineye.com is another one that we, we suggest using. It'll actually pull up all the names that have been used with that photo. So if you're able to pull this up and, you know, in the example that I gave where you're trying to convince a family member, it's a good tool to show them that there's a good chance it's a scam. And for our listeners, we'll be including the links to any of these tools that Jeff mentions and the notes to the podcast app. 
that actually leads to another question in terms of, you know, we've talked about ways you can protect yourself. Do you often hear from people who are concerned about family members and what the red flags are that family members should be worried about if they think that somebody close to them has been targeted? It's challenging because there's only so much a family member can do, right? They they can try to, you know, do the reverse image search. But I mean, there's red flags there where the the family member might be hiding some of their chats or their phone calls or something to watch out for, acting differently, being secretive about what they're doing online are all red flags. But it's a really challenging situation. If you're able to gather some of the payment information and some of the communications, then, you know, you could reach out to local police or the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre where we can potentially give advice to, to try to help. One thing that we've seen lately is some examples of romance scam victims being, you know, lured into things like cryptocurrency, fraudulent activities, etc. And can you explain a little bit how those work? Yeah, so it, it kind of starts off the same way. Great question, by the way, because there has been a huge increase in, in romance and investment scam very closely linked together. So they, they typically start off the same way. Communication starts off on social media or a dating app or website. And after the suspect knows they have that emotional connection, sometimes they'll wait months or, you know, three, four or five months. And then they'll, they'll present this investment opportunity that they claim that they made a lot of money on. And they ask a victim to to invest as well. And what they do is they, they create these very legitimate looking platforms, websites online where, you know, the victim, if they agree to to invest a little bit of their money, two or three hundred dollars, they can actually withdraw a bit of that money to convince them that it's an actual legitimate cryptocurrency investment platform. So what happens is the victim then decides to invest a little bit more with time, more and more. And of course, when it comes time to withdraw what they've put in, they're not able to. This can last sometimes, you know, over a year where victims have lost, in some cases, all their, their life savings. It's really sad and kind of scary. And when you think about AI and the potential for AI to create these very real appearing platforms, etc., I guess there's a real risk that this is really going to just continue to grow very, very rapidly. Unfortunately, yes. I mean, with AI, it's just the beginning, right? So and that's not to, to say to, to scare people, but it's important to know what technology is out there and how it's being used. That being said, even with AI, you know, what to watch for and how to protect yourself doesn't really change all that much. You know, you always want to do your research as much as you can. We're looking at investment scams. Remember that if you send a, a cryptocurrency payment, that chances are you're, you're not going to get that back. It, very hard to trace. So just it's important to, to know what to watch for and how to protect yourself. So even if, uh, you know, another form of AI that we've been seeing or observing is deepfake videos. So in a lot of cases with these fraudulent crypto investment platforms, they'll deepfake, which is mean, means a fake video. Fraudsters will take a picture and a voice clip of a celebrity or, you know, we have seen news anchors promoting fraudulent websites, merchandise or investment. So just know that those videos are out there. There are fake videos out there. It's probably going to be used as a, an extra tool to try to, to steal your money. 
Is there a way that people can check to see if those videos are fake? Right now, not that we're aware of. That being said, there are things to watch for if the, the video seems a little choppy. You know, there are a little irregularities with these videos, but unfortunately, in some cases, they're not. It's very hard to detect with the naked eye. So just the fact of knowing that these fake videos are out there, it's kind of like, you know, if you see a celebrity promoting something online that you're not sure about, then believe that it's fake until you can prove otherwise type thing, where you want to research to prove that it is it fake or is it real, right? What about sites like Snopes? Is that a good place to fact check things? It is. It's a, not just one tool that you want to focus on. It's You want to combine a bunch of different tools depending on, you know, if you're looking to purchase merchandise, then you want to look at reviews, keeping in mind that reviews can be fake as well. You know, you mentioned Snopes, whatever tool you have at your disposal, try to use it as much as you can. And of course, we always advise reaching out to a friend or family member for their opinion and make it a group decision instead of a quick decision, because we see that the victimization for an individual can happen very quickly in, in most cases. I think that's a really good litmus test of if you're prepared to discuss this with somebody you know, and that if you feel compelled to keep it secret, you've got to ask yourself why. Exactly. Yeah, good litmus test. So if you feel that you have, or if you've been the, the victim of a fraud like this, where do you report it? If you have been a victim, very important to, to report to your local police and to the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. There are two ways to report to the CAFC. And you can do it by calling our toll-free line, 1-888-495-8501. Or you can use our online fraud reporting system at antifraudcenter.ca to, to report online as well. Now, depending on if you have lost money or if you're a victim of identity theft, there are different steps to follow, which are listed on our website. But if you sent funds through your bank account, then you want to reach out to your financial institution and report it to them as well. Why is it important? I think it's really, really important that we stress just how important it is to report these scams, despite the shame that may be involved, etc. Yeah, so I think that, you know, there's, there's a few different reasons why, you know, going back to the, the fact that we estimate that only 5 to 10% of victims report to the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. One of the factors is being ashamed. You don't want to discuss what happened. There might be a thought that, you know, law enforcement won't do anything. They, they can't do anything because this is more than likely coming from overseas, right? Or not knowing what the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre does. They might, you know, a victim might think that, uh, well, you know what, the the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre doesn't investigate, so there, there's no point in, in reporting. Now, it's important to understand what the mandate is at the, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. We collect the information. We're the central repository for mass marketing fraud, and we share the information with international law enforcement agencies and law enforcement agencies across the country as well. So I always give the example of, let's say, a romance scam is being investigated by a law enforcement agency abroad, and there's a victim in, let's say, Halifax, and another victim in Vancouver, the information can easily be linked together in that central repository, which is the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. On top of us being able to share prevention messaging based on the information we're collecting. So, you know, if we're seeing something new, then we typically get an alert out to, to make sure the Canadians are aware that, you know, either new technology is being used, like AI, like we discussed, or if there's some kind of a new twist to a scan that we're seeing, we, we use this information to try to protect Canadians. 
So really one of the most important reasons to share this is that others, you can actually help other people learn from your experience. Exactly. Jeff, thanks so much for this. You've been listening to Mastering Money from Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. You can click to all the resources mentioned in this episode in the description for this podcast in your podcast app. Please rate and review us. And if you'd like to get in touch, our email is financialliteracy at cpacanada.ca. Please note, the views expressed by our guests are theirs alone and not necessarily the views of CPA Canada. This is a recorded podcast. The information presented is current as of the date of recording. New and changing government legislation and programs may have come into effect since the recording date. Please seek additional professional advice or information before acting on any podcast information. Be well, be safe, and remember, if it's too good to be true, it probably is.